Amen. We've been building this month all the way up to this weekend to last night and this morning as we've thought about the hopes and fears that accompany the important parts of life, but also accompany what we think about as Christmas. And certainly, maybe you have some hopes and fears that are still remaining for this Christmas day. You got some gifts that you're looking forward to giving to someone and you're hoping that they're going to love it, but maybe there's a twinge of fear. You're just not sure. We have hopes and fears about family gatherings that may still be yet to come as we go through this week. Some of you have things planned and there's going to be reunions and maybe some introductions that you hope will go really, really well, but you may have a little bit of fear because you're just not sure how that's going to turn out. And certainly on that first Christmas, there were lots of hopes and fears for this family, for the baby, for Israel. And we've been talking through some of that. And even last night talked about our hope that our lives count for something that great or small, what we find is that we matter to God. Now, today I want us to take one final turn through this as we think about our hopes and fears and look at a story in a few minutes that happened after the birth of Jesus. But we think about the cost of Christmas. Now, there are some hopes that the things that we spend for Christmas will be received really well, but some fears about maybe we spent a little too much sometimes. And certainly the first Christmas was even more costly than anything we experience now. And I want us to think about that today. And we get some introduction to some of that in the stories that we've talked about up to now, both in Matthew and Luke, as the angels came and delivered messages to Zechariah, to Joseph, to Mary, that there would be costs involved in all that he was doing. Even though there were great hopes for what was coming, there was also fear of how that might turn out and some real fear about the costs that were there. And in this event that we talk about today, I want us to see some allusions to that as well. The story goes that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and on the eighth day, Mary and Joseph went to the temple to offer the sacrifice that was required of him. That was also the day that Jesus would have been circumcised and named, all that on the eighth day of Jesus' life. Now, Mary and Joseph were sort of fortunate that they were in Bethlehem for this census, and that's where the baby was born, so they could go to the temple and offer these sacrifices themselves. Not everyone could do that because of distance, but Bethlehem is close to Jerusalem, much closer than Nazareth, the town they lived in. So they were in, in Jerusalem on the eighth day at the temple, and it is there that they met a couple people. And we're going to look at one of those stories today. We find it in Luke chapter 2, and we get the introduction to the man they meet in Luke 2, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was, a, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, the introduction to him tells us that he was righteous and devout. The, these are words that are used about Joseph, especially this word righteous. Matthew uses the same word to describe Joseph, that he was just. Okay, And this means that these are people who follow the law, who take their faith seriously. And we see that in the life of Joseph and Mary because they're there on the eighth day to do what the law required. But this man, Simeon, is described in the same way. He is devout. He is righteous. He is waiting on the consolation of Israel. In other words, he's waiting for God to be on the move and to act. And we find that the Holy Spirit is at work in him. And because God's Spirit's at work in him, he's been told a message. You are going to see the Messiah. 
Now, sort of our tradition about Simeon is that he's an older man because he seems ready to die as we go through this passage, and that points us to him being older, but we really don't know that. All we know is God had told him that he would see the Messiah and before he died, and he's waiting on that. Maybe he's old, maybe he's not, but that's sort of the way we picture him. And so Simeon is here waiting, looking, hoping to see God's Messiah, maybe not knowing exactly how he will know that this baby or this young man or or whomever is going to be the Messiah, but he knows it's coming. And then the day comes, and it happens to be the same day that Mary and Joseph are in the temple to offer this sacrifice. Verse 27, moved by the Spirit, because the Spirit is active in Simeon's life, He went into the temple courts, and when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying this, and we'll get to verse 29, what he says in just a minute, but first of all, it strikes me that Mary and Joseph don't say, who are you to think you can pick up our baby, right? That's a little weird. They don't do that. Somehow they seem to know that this is okay, right? But but immediately... Simeon recognizes. Now, it may be that because the Spirit had prompted him to be in the temple courts, he knows something is about to happen, and he knows the promise that's been made to him. But when he sees Jesus, he is absolutely sure that this is God's Messiah. This is the one that he's been waiting on. And the song that he sings goes like this, verse 29, Sovereign Lord, it's a prayer, As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. And those words sound like the words of a man who has some maturity. So I think that's what points us to him being a man of age. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, you know, if Simeon were a different kind of man, since he's been promised that He's going to see the Messiah before he dies. He might try to avoid the Messiah, right? Because if I don't see him, I keep living. But that's not the kind of guy he is. Righteous and devout. He's a man who is is looking for God at work in someone. Looking for God's Messiah because he's hoping and praying for the salvation of Israel. The consolation of Israel, he says. He's hoping that God is going to do something that he gets to witness it in his lifetime. So on this day, when he sees this child, he knows that this is the one that God has chosen, the one that God is going to be at work in. Now, all that's expected, and everything that Simeon says is sort of expected. My eyes have seen your salvation. You can dismiss me in peace. I'm ready to die. All that we get, but it's verse 32. The end of it says he's going to be the glory of your people Israel. We get that. Jesus was a Jew. He he came to fulfill the prophecies of other Jews. He comes in the line of David, the greatest king of Israel. All that makes sense. Jesus is going to bring the salvation of Israel. But the line that surprises us is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now, when Mary and Joseph heard that, their ears had to perk up just a little bit because the the, the prophecies, the expectation of the Messiah is he's he's the great leader. He's a military leader who's going to strike back at the Gentiles. He's going to throw Rome off. He's the one who's going to save us from this oppression. But, But here's Simeon, this man in touch with God. 
This man prompted by the Holy Spirit who says, yes, the Messiah is for the Jews, but guess what? He's going to reveal who God is and what God is doing to Gentiles as well. The mission of Jesus was bigger and more expansive than what virtually anyone had imagined up to this point. Yes, God had promised Abraham that your descendants will be a blessing to all nations. And here's Simeon reminding us that that is just about to happen. But Simeon also has a blessing. At least it's called a blessing. Verse 34, then Simeon blessed them, Mary and Joseph, and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. It doesn't feel much like a blessing, does it? Now we might not say it's a curse, but man, Simeon is really laying it out there. Yes, he's going to be the salvation of Israel, but here's the thing. There's going to be a lot of people who don't like what your son is going to say. There are going to be people who reject his message and push back against everything he says. And we know that to be true. And Mary, you're going to pay a price as well. And we know the rest of the story. On that day in the temple, Mary didn't know everything that was going to happen. But we know that Mary stood looking at the cross, seeing her son die. We know just what Simeon was pointing forward to. Because as we've sort of said all along, you can't separate the story of Christmas from the story of Easter, from the story of Good Friday. And so Christmas is there, yes, but it points forward. And what Simeon is saying here, and we understand, is that Christmas is costly. Christmas comes with a cost, and it's not the cost that we pay at Walmart or on Amazon for presents. It is the cost of what was to come. That Simeon knew that as he looked forward in the life of Jesus, there would be a cost to Jesus, the death on the cross. There would be a cost to Mary, seeing him die there. There would be a cost to the people who surrounded Jesus, wondering if God had forgotten, if he had given up all these things. Christmas is costly because it's connected, it's connected to Easter. And so we look in our own lives and recognize that it had to be costly. Because you see, somewhere along the line, if we were going to be brought back to God, someone was going to have to pay a price. Because what we deserve because of our sin is punishment. Our, our, our sin brings on itself the punishment for doing wrong. And the question is, who's going to pay the price? And we were destined to pay that price. But God intervened. And he intervened with Jesus. And so the Messiah becomes far more than what people imagined. The Messiah becomes the one who bears the sin of humanity, who defeats evil itself through his death and his resurrection. Sin, I mean, Christmas had to be costly if it was going to count for anything. It's costly because it begins the march to Easter. Easter. 
And it's costly because it took the, the cost of what we had done. Jesus took that on himself. Christmas is always costly. Costly to Jesus. Costly to the people around him. This morning, in just a few minutes, we're going to share in communion. We're going to sing Silent Night before we do that, but what I'd like for us to do in just a few moments is to take communion together. So we're going to sing, and then I'm going to come back up and we'll pray. But what I'd ask you to do is go ahead and open your communion during this song, and then we're going to share in communion as a body after I pray. So let's sing Silent Night together, and then we'll have communion.